Tonight, we cover voodoo. So grab your dolls and pens, or maybe not. Only on Newsworthy. Two words and two question marks. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks why should you work with ed lock A better question is, why wouldn't you work with him? He is proud to support an amazing lender, USA Mortgage. When you work with them, you can expect a home financing experience that is free of hassles and headaches. They have complete control over your loan due to in-house operations such as processing, underwriting, closing, and funding. USA Mortgage represents a lot of fantastic things but they are especially thrilled to partner in several community outreach programs, including Habitat for Humanity, Home Sweet Home, Veterans Community Project, and many, many more. They love going to work every day, which means they love working for you. Ed wants to be your lender for life, so reach out to him today and get the journey started. If you would like more information, please reach out to Edlock at area code 502 NMLS 448-908, USA Mortgage NMLS 227-262. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions may apply. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Jerry, how are you, my man? Doing great, Steve. How about yourself? Dude, I'm stoked. Stoked! That's always a good thing. Guess what we got? I showed you already, but now you get to guess in in front of everyone. No idea. What is that <laughs> square little object? We got business cards with business cards. Our QR code to link directly to our podcast on the back. Very nice. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And if you would like some of those to give out in your neighborhood, shoot us an email. Where to, Jerry? Newsworthy with Steve and Jerry at gmail.com. You send us an email. We'll, I'll get some in the mail to you. You can give them out to friends and family and get them on the Newsworthy podcast with you. We love that. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh-huh. You know, since we switched to Libsyn, which we really like, by the way, yeah, it has allowed us to automate so much, including when I give the email and the phone number. When you first asked, the first thought that went through my mind was, I have no freaking idea. Thankfully, I was able to recover and remember. Yep. So we've done a lot of things since we switched to Libsyn. We now have the ability to chart where we are in the whole grand scheme of the podcast world. We we have really good statistic keeping. Yeah, I'm glad Um, of that. I think we have... 
a really good way of having guests. Um, it, it's certainly so. uh, more professional, in our opinion, of the way this is done compared to the way you had to do a podcast or a pod bean. Absolutely. Um, that was a nightmare. It that, really that was. was the primary reason that we began looking to change. Yep. Now, we ended up liking Libsyn a lot better, but being like a lot of people resistant to change, yeah. had it not been for that one problem, we probably would have been with Podbean for many years. Yeah, yeah, that that was like you say a nightmare. It was. It is designed, I think, for people who podcast only with their phone. We have equipment, we have a studio, we have all this stuff, and it just wasn't up to where we needed it to be. Not knocking anybody who uses Podbean. It's a great. It works for them. More power to them. It's a great opening. Absolutely. Uh, way to start. It's very easy, very plug and play, if you will. Yes. Um, but just wasn't for us as we were trying to grow. And uh, so, yeah, Lit- Lispin has been really nice. Our numbers, our format changed. Our numbers are growing. We're growing as a podcast. So, um, you know. I'm really excited. The business cards made me so happy, though, because they turned out really good. Um, and I'll be happy to send a few to anyone who chooses an email. Seriously. Uh, we got them to distribute, and that's their whole point. That's right. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm drinking some, back to the almost OG, some Stella Rosa Red tonight. I will not have the luxury of drinking the entire bottle tonight. I don't think. And it's probably not 13%. No, it's not. It's, it's. <laughs> so even if you do. Even if I do, it'll be fine. Um, be fine. But you know, it, it does lack what the wine last week didn't lack. Now, I'm not old school whiny. I, I've not been drinking wine that long. It's a recent thing for me when we discovered cold sweet red. That's right. Um, but well, what the, does it like? Huh? What does it like? It, it lacks a cork. I don't like wines that you have to screw the top yeah. off. I think that's just so uns, uh, <laughs> it's uncouth. Uncouth. But uh, so beneath us. Yeah, I need a cork in my wine That's right. now, and please, we need corks in our lives. Wine in fact, it was it was making me feel really down, and I was feeling really down about life. And you were, I was. That's not good. Well, I, I feel better now, though. Okay, because because I realized that where no matter how far down you go. You can always look elsewhere to find something that's going to make you feel better about your life. Okay. As an example, you know, uh, uh, well, as an example, my mind went totally <laughs> blank. <laughs> that does happen sometimes. No, as an example, Stevie Wonder pays $25,000 a month for oh, child support for kids he can't even see. No. <laughs> you didn't go there. Say you didn't go there. That is a good one, though. I like that. Mine is not nearly as good, and it's a week late. Uh oh. Yeah, last week our topic was. Last week the topic was um, the one, the man, the myth, the legend, Count Dracula. Dracula. Blah blah. And my joke is a vampire joke. So yeah, oh. I'm a week late. Speaking of which, why are vampires typically arrogant and vain? Well, 
because they are incapable of self-reflection. <laughs> and now we know the rest of the story. As Steve Harvey would say. Also, before we get into the episode tonight, tonight we had this such high hopes for tonight's episode. We don't anymore? Well, we, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the episode. But I want to give a shout out because we have often talked about how Mike, in the early days, boosted our numbers, right? Absolutely. Flying all over the country, your, downloading. Your father-in-law? Yeah. That would, quote, unquote, steal, borrow, borrow, borrow. jets, fly all over the world. And, and we would get numbers from that, and we yes. were very, very thankful. He even got us our newsworthy wine glasses. Very nice of him. But what I didn't know, and I found out after last week's episode. Okay. So, like, last night or the night before, I had to go to bed kind of early. I woke up with a text from my mother-in-law, and she said, I just want you to know I'm listening. And I am, as soon as I get back to the United States, stealing your man card <laughs> for your wine choice last night. <laughs> going to, once again, confiscate your man card. Well, she she says that. But listen, if I'm willing to come on the airwaves and own up and be man enough to say, yep, that's what I'm drinking tonight, <laughs> that takes a certain degree of, you know. I don't know what it takes. <laughs> it's also quite possible that it's simply a reflection of how much you have drank. Maybe. Not, not a sign of... The size of your gahunas. Let's mm, see. I have to disagree with you, Jerry. You're supposed to be on my side. I'm saying it's possible. Listen, not saying you it happened. You see me at least twice a week. You do True. not see them, but maybe once a year. <laughs> you need to side with me on this one. I know where you live. <laughs> I don't have to be that nice to her. Right. You're supposed to be with your, your partner in crime here. Not there. I'm not saying it happened. I'm just saying it's very possible that, uh, you know, that was 13% wine you were drinking. It was strong. It was. Seriously. According to what you said and the way you acted, it certainly was. So, I don't like, okay, I'll just, honest admission, I like the effects of alcohol. I okay. do not like the taste of alcohol. Any? Not really. Like, I, I have, my son-in-law, he likes the taste of bourbon. He's a connoisseur, if you will. He, he swishes it around, smells it, takes a sip. Oh, it has flavors of nut and blah, blah, blah. Jacob? And I'm like... Yeah, and I'm no like, that's just gross. It all that's that, Brett. Yeah. I'm sure you've noticed that's Brett. Brett, Brett to a does team. that too, and and I just can't. No bourbon, not at all. I do like a beer when it's hot weather. Yeah, I never drink alone unless one of two things. If I get really super hot in the summer, I, a good dosecchi to cool down with, or when I'm grilling, it almost seems necessary when I'm grilling. The only time I'll ever drink alone. I'll have a beer after I mow. I'll have a beer when I'm grilling. I like beer with certain foods. Like Absolutely. Um, if I'm having tacos or a big burger. A burger. It goes um, perfect with. Yeah. Got to have a good beer. Um, otherwise, I could do without it. You know, I just. I, I don't need it. I don't drink much at all. I don't. Wednesday nights and Saturdays are, are my beverage acquired nights. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because beer was one of the last things that I developed a taste for. Yeah, that's been a when later in, in life college. thing for me too. 
Yeah, I, I would drink beer sometimes, but did not like the taste of it at all. But I've, I've grown to like Dasecki. I love Blue Moon. It's a good beer. Nah, see, I don't like Blue Moon. Really? Not even a little. It makes What's me your blue. favorite? Huh? Mick Ultra? Um, well, I used to drink a lot of Mick Ultra, but I kind of like Yingling Flight now. That's pretty good. It's another ultra light. I uh, I have to admit I was part of some of those. Uh, yeah, we won't get into that. that that's for <laughs> a different done. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's for a previously done podcast that we're not going to delve into here. Speaking of delving Sounds in, good. let's delve into our topic tonight, Jerry. Voodoo. Voodoo. Now, see, when we first... When this idea, I was in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's basically the voodoo capital of the world. Um, At least in the United States, for sure. Absolutely. Now, there's a few other cities that have sex of voodooism in it, but by far and away, you know. As far as the Americanized version of voodoo, right. undoubtedly. New Orleans. The you, you think voodoo, global. You think yes. New Orleans. Um, but not of true voodoo, as we found out after we begin to delve into it a little which bit. Which is, yeah, kind of what we're getting into. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought, ooh, that's intriguing, and, it, you know, it's got all these layers, and we can really sink our teeth into it. It's very delicious. There's a lot of yeah, interesting. There's, there's a lot of, yeah. you know, there's a lot of mystery around it. It's right up our alley. And then we started researching. We're like, uh, okay. <laughs> that's the way that, that the that. Americans have bastardize this religion. Right. First of all, started off. let's just start off with saying, if you do practice what most people believe is a religion of voodoo, we are not here to make fun of you. Not at all. Um, or... I don't think they'll think that. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. Through. But I just want to make it very apparent that we're not here to bash what they believe. That's not our purpose. In fact, Learning that it was actually a religion was one of the new things that I learned. You know, it's not, um, you know, I was kind of, I even told you when I first brought it up, we had to kind of be careful because, you know, that could let in dark spirits. Well, that's just not true. (laughs) Um, And hopefully you'll join us in this ride down the voodoo world. Jerry, where did voodoo come from? Um. Originally from West African countries, it originated in the ancient kingdom of Dahomey, which is present-day Nigeria, Benin, Ghana, and Togo. And it derives from their native word for God or spirit. And contrary to popular opinion, opinion, it is not a form of witchcraft or demonic worship. It is essentially a monotheistic religion, just like Christianity, just like Catholic, Catholicism, just yes. like... Monotheistic simply means one God, one, right. one supreme ruler. Right. Um, voodoo is a worldview that encompasses philosophy, medicine, justice, and religion. Its fundamental principle is that everything is spirits, even humans, they believe, are spirits who inhabit the visible world. And the primary goal and activity of voodoo is to serve the spirits, to offer prayers, to perform different devotional rites directed at God or some of the particular spirits in return for health, for protection, for favor. True voodoo is a comprehensive system of knowledge that has nothing to do with the simplistic and erroneous images that we have cultivated, such as sticking pins into dolls, 
putting a hex on an adversary, or turning innocents into zombies. It is an organized form of communal support, and it provides support and it provides meaning to the human experience in relation to the natural and supernatural forces of the universe. Now, the original African roots of voodoo, they believe, may stretch back as much as 6,000 years, which would make it one of the world's oldest ancestral traditions. Now, the more modern incarnation of this ancient African religion, voodoo, which, by the way, the spelling that we know it as, V-O-O-D-O-O, is the Americanized version. It's typically spelled V-O-D-O-U, V-O-D-O-U-N, or something similar. Udon. Udon. But we have ended up with a V-O-O-D-O-O. Well, that's more fun to say, anyway. It is, and it's easier, (laughs) I guess, for us to pronounce. And it ended up being a unique blend of Catholic Catholic and African magical and religious rites. Now, this came about largely because when Africans were captured and forced into slavery in Haiti and across the Atlantic world, it caused their cultures cultures and religious beliefs to collide with with Catholicism. I can't say Catholicism. Catholicism. There you go. Brett would be not proud of you right now. Not at all. (laughs) Voodoo, however, is a very dynamic religion. It has no standardized dogma. There, there is no, uh, it's not, it is monotheistic, it is not monolithic. It doesn't have a Bible, a set standard of rules. So you can find two different voodoo temples across town, and they may have totally different beliefs and traditions and all that. It is quite common and a completely acceptable for differing temples to have to practice different traditions, as I, as I said. So defining voodoo and the beliefs of its practitioners ends up being very tricky because, again, it's going to change dramatically. Now, for these slaves, their homes, their property, their their families, their communities had all been torn away. They had very little left from when they were in Africa, except for their faith, and to that they would cling tenaciously. In Haiti and in many other places, there was an attempt to strip them of even that. In 1685, the French king, Louis XIV, he passed, a law called Le Code Noir, and it was a decree that dictated that slaves must be baptized as Roman Catholics upon arrival in the French colonies, and that the practice of any other religion was forbidden. Slavers who allowed or even tolerated their slaves to have subversive religious habits would be punished along with the slaves. So, the slaves integrated some of the Catholic practices as a way of circumventing religious oppression so that they could continue to practice their own religion and customs under the guise of Catholicism. Finally got it out. Yeah, there you go. And then came the Haitian Revolution between 1791 and 1804, and they were able, the slaves were able to overthrow the white colonist population, and they freed black Haitians from enslavement. It was also responsible for bringing voodoo to the United States. Over the course of those 13 years, many of the white planters fled Haiti with their slaves, and they brought with them their traditions and beliefs to Louisiana. Louisiana, and more specifically New Orleans, then became the epicenter of voodoo in the United States. And then we did the voodoo what we did to so many different things. We westernized it. It probably started because America was really afraid of what had happened in Haiti. Again, the slaves had a revolution. They overthrew the plantation owners and took over. They freed themselves. That scared the hell out of Americans. And so what many authorities began to do 
was to believe that Haitian voodoo religious leaders had a hand, so they demonized it, the entire religion. The 19th century American newspapers and magazines that describe voodoo often talked about rampant sexual hedonism, gory rituals, even human sacrifices. For instance, a story published in the Daily Picayune in 1889 melodramatically entitled Orgies in Haiti, a story of voodoo horrors that pass belief. The author claimed that the people had engaged in wild interracial orgies, carried out violent sacrifices, and had even cannibalized a young girl. Likewise, in the 20th century, the image of voodoo in the public imagination morphed into something slightly more complex as movies and novels shifted the focus away from news reports and towards more sensationalism fiction. I'm glad to know that that didn't start with in the last few years. <laughs> right. We often seem to think that it did. Uh, voodoo came to be seen as something that was fascinating, alluring, erotic even, but simultaneously dangerous and frightening. It came to the point that black magic, devil worship, zombies, human sacrifice, orgies, and even cannibalism. That is many people's frame of reference when it comes to voodoo today, thanks to the way that we westernized the belief. So, yes, that the origins are that it was simply a religion. There was nothing black magic about it. There was no devil worship, no zombies, no sacrifices, and none of that. We simply turned it into people believing it was that. And I would say that I don't think you and I were that different in the way we looked at voodoo before we right. begin to research this. The way that we viewed voodoo is probably the way the majority of America views it, because that's what we've heard. Something dark, something to be afraid of, something to be scared of. You know, in movies like The Skeleton Key, uh uh, the Serpent in the Rainbow, Child's Play, those only perpetuate those fears. Absolutely. Um, so, yes, what we were talking about happened in the 18th, 19th, and early 20th century, still going on. Yeah. And it's amazing how a small group of people can control the narrative for such a large group of people. It is. You know, how, we were talking over dinner, how many, how many of the world's wars have been fought over religion? And this is just another way of controlling, you know. Very true. Slaves weren't allowed to own books. It controlled their ability to learn. <laughs> oh, they tried to strongly control that. Yeah. If you can't if you can't teach your people, then you can't lead your people. So no books. If you don't have a if you can't practice your own religion, that strips another layer of who you are out of you. It's just very true. Just, just terrible. Now a couple of folks um, that once it got to Louisiana, that became very big. Um, probably the most famous is Marie Laveau. She was born in 1794, lived to the ripe old age of 1881. She was old, <laughs> especially from that time. She was a voodoo practitioner from 1820 to about 1840, although she practiced in some very limited capacities all the way up to the day of her death. Um, she was, believe it or not, a devout Catholic, but also did, you know, had had voodoo. And she she had, she was a free woman of color. 
lived with all of her adopted children right on the French Quarter, which I was there a couple of weeks ago. Also, just want to throw it out to anyone who listens to podcasts that knows my mom. I, she she went with us on this last vacation. She got beads at the French Quarter. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Mom still got it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you let that marinate in your mind, Jerry. Good job. <laughs> Uh, but many people there would just stop she by. She paid me well to say that. Oh, gosh. Uh, many people uh, got it to where they would come and ask Miss Laveau for help. She was known as the Widow Paris after her, the death of her husband, Jacques. Um, her home was adorned with candles and images of saints and altars and items to protect the house from spirits. Uh, probably the bad ones, because as you just discussed, voodoo's all about spirits. But anytime you deal with good spirits, you also have to worry and contend with the bad spirits. Um, she was known as someone who would feed the hungry. She would nurse the sick. She visited prisoners. She helped enslaved servants escape to freedom. She also, now that was for the good things. She also performed exorcisms. She offered sacrifices to spirits. She treated patients with all sorts of stuff. Massage, teas, herbs, salves, uh, even tinctures. Even politicians, lawyers, and businessmen would come to her and ask her advice from the spirits before making big decisions. Um, just to show you her influence. At 86, when she died, she was buried at the St. Louis Cemetery, uh, number one, um, in New Orleans. And New Orleans is funny because it's all below sea level. So if you've never been there, all of the graveyards are above ground. So all of the, everyone has a tomb. And on her tomb in particular, uh, it is said, and you can't do it these days, they've Put the kibosh on that. In fact, the, the graveyards are only open to uh, tours. You can't just walk through the graveyards anymore because of this. But it was always said that if you put three X's on her tomb and ask for a fate, you know, a wish or a favor that she would grant it from beyond the grave. That's wow. the amount of power this lady wielded. Um, but anyway, uh, Probably the, she was by far the the most well known voodoo queen, if you will, uh, and the best and most well known voodoo king was Bayou John, or most people called him Doctor John. Um, now Doctor John was a little different because Doctor John uh, was one of the people who started to help voodoo become a tourist attraction. Um, now, he has a little bit of a more story background. He was actually born in Senegal in West Africa. He was enslaved. He was taken to Cuba. He eventually made his way to New Orleans as a cotton roller, and later he was able to buy property on the Bayou Road and became an excellent voodoo healer. He was also a fortune teller. <laughs> Uh, in fact, it was Dr. John who taught Marie. And um, it, during the 1930s, true voodoo had to go underground because of persecution that you mentioned. Um, 
New Orleans had become a tourist destination at that time. Uh, a number of businesses were started. They started charging money for as true voodoo followers never did. That's how you know who you're dealing with. If if you're asking to be healed and they're not asking you to pay, you are probably dealing with a a true follower of voodoo. If they're asking you to pay, you probably should save your money and go to the hospital. Yep. <laughs> they also began to say sell fake potions, powders, and grigris. I'm hoping I say that right. Uh, but basically, a grigri is a rope or a talisman that's made out of hemp or some sort of cloth that you would wear around your neck. Also, this is where the uh, little voodoo things that you stick needles in and, ah, uh, you know, a person ac- across the world starts having pain. That's not true <laughs> in the slightest, according to anything that I found. That was strictly something they sold to tourists. What do you make? To make money. It's a way to make money, um, which is kind of why, you know, I was so, like, brought into this, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome, and I was like, oh, we've all been duped. <laughs> it's all been commercialized. It's all been, yeah. it'd be like Methodists somehow figuring out a way to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. To make money off of being a Methodist. It's, you know, or other people making money off of being Methodist, being Methodist. Um, now, there is still one voodoo temple in New Orleans. It's in, it's across from the Congo Square. It is the only formally established voodoo temple. Um, uh, the temple serves the practitioners, combines the elements for other religions, like you said, because they had to, to be able to exist. Um, it opened in 1972. Inside, it's more of a museum at this point. Basically, you will see historic voodoo relics, paintings, sculptures, other artifacts. Um, the museum provides daily tours of the St. Louis Cemetery in the French Quarter. Um, anyhow, so you can buy all the little voodoo things you want to buy, candles, grigris, uh, your little dudes to stick needles in <laughs> anywhere in new Orleans, basically, uh, or anywhere online. But what I was really saddened about is because much like the devil's triangle or the Bermuda triangle, when we started digging into this, it's so sensationalized and so not anything to have to do are there some sketchy components of it at some point? Yeah, depending sure. on what your idea of sketch is. Yeah. In in Africa, voodoo was very, you know, they sacrificed a lot of animals. So did the Jewish religion. Read right. the Old Testament. Right. That's what they did. They yeah. offered burnt offerings. Right. You know, the how many times in the Bible does it talk about sacrificial lambs? Sure. I mean, you know, the first lamb, the firstborn, whatever. Absolutely. So, you know, it was really it was one of those things that I got into it and I was like, ooh, I can't wait. Oh. So, even though this is really short because we ran out, I, I literally, when we first started to do this topic, I was like, there's no way we can do this one show. We're going to have to break it into part one and part two. And it's going to be, and we barely, I mean, there's other than, you know, Trying to be sensational with it. Exactly. Um, 
We, we, we've covered voodoo. We've covered voodoo in you know twenty five you know, nothing minutes. else. I mean, it's you're right. It's not sensational. It's not one of those episodes where people are going to be uh, having nightmares. Right. But hopefully, it was as informative to at least part of our audience as it was to us. Well, it opened a lot of eyes for us. It here, totally changed the way we looked at voodoo. Here's the thing that you know I think firmly about our podcast, Jerry. We are here to see first and foremost. Is this newsworthy? That's what we're here for. And when it comes to voodoo, unless you just want to get wrapped up in the movies and the Hollywoodization, if you will, of uh, of voodoo, then the answer is no. Well, the only thing that is newsworthy about it is the way that America westernized it and turned it into something absolutely unrecognizable from where it began, from right. what it truly is. Right. That's the only thing newsworthy about it. That's yeah. how we massacred the hell out of it. Yeah, it, it's really a a. As I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it, though, given the religion that came to America from Britain, from the from, you know, the developed countries, if you will, of the time, France and Britain, and most of where, all, most of our immigrants come from, the Puritans and. A religion that where you would dance almost to a trance-like state where drums were... I mean, when's the first... my The church I attend now, we have a full complement of instruments. There's still churches here in Kentucky that don't allow instruments at all. Oh, not just around Kentucky, <laughs> but around the United States. Right. So if you have a... If you're from one of those religions and you're watching... This religion that's pounded on drums and they're dancing. It was scary. It could be scary. It was scary. And, so and, they would go to great lengths to try to make sure that the people didn't associate with it in any way, including making up outrageous lies. Right. Now, the media originally began to do it. Uh, then quickly books, TV, movies, you know, caught right. on. And they're going to do and say whatever sells. Uh so, huge surprise there, right? Yeah. So, basically, voodoo, newsworthy, I'm going to say thumbs down. Absolutely, 100% <laughs> thumbs down. I have a correction from last week that I want to throw out there. What is that? I said, um, I was talking about a vampire TV show. What I forget even what I called it. The actual name of it is What We Do in the Shadows. And that's okay. a TV show on, I think, I forget what streaming service. Um, uh, I wanted to correct myself on that. I was corrected here at the house by that. Gotcha. <laughs> very funny, very, very hilarious TV show about Dracula. Um, and uh, what else? We already talked about me groveling for my mother-in-law so I don't lose my man card. Check. <laughs> yep. I think you sufficiently covered that one. So we've got a few things coming up this month. Uh, I actually have to have surgery on November 1st, which is Wednesday, which we normally do the shows. I think we're going to try to have one in the can ready to go. So if we can't make that happen, that November 1st episode will be Jerry and Brett. Um, Hopefully you'll be on there, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we've got time to kill, Jerry. We've never been mm -hmm. in this position before. we got like 15 minutes of free time right now to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, I really like what you said earlier. Um, 
we try to see where the evidence takes us, and that's right. what we're going to do with it. We're not going to sensationalize a topic just to try to get views or just to try to whatever. We're not going to do it. Yeah. We're, we honestly, legitimately try to do research on a particular subject and say, here's what <laughs> we have found out. Uh, it's not always the most exciting, and that's okay. Yeah. If, if voodoo, the truth about voodoo is not exciting, great. I'm sure there's at least a few people in the world. Now, the chance of them hearing our podcast is relatively slim, granted. But uh, if one of them happened to stumble across it, they're probably going, well, finally. At least there's some American that's not going to lie and make up crap about well, our religion. I think that I would hope that the people that listen to our podcast know that that is the we're going to take that approach on every topic that we we try to <laughs> bless you. Oh my goodness! Sorry about that. We're going to try to take that uh, uh, approach on every topic, being be it aliens, be it ghosts, be it. And we tried to do that back when we were covering news. It just yeah. got pretty depressing after yeah. a while, as news tends to be. I can't tell you how wonderful it is not doing that. I every agree. Week. I mean, it was just, depressing. It was yeah. eye-opening, and it was insightful, and I enjoyed a lot of things about it. Uh, it forced me to do more research, and I'd always kept up with current events and politics, but uh, that forced me to do more, and I was glad of that. But, geez, was it depressing. I don't know how, you know, you get Tom Brokaw's and your Dan Rather's and your do this for 30 years. I just, yeah. I, my hat's off to them. I couldn't do but it. But most of the guys that you're talking about came from a day and time when I think they tried to, for the large part, they weren't perfect, but for the large part, they tried to report the news. They weren't trying to make the news. Yeah. They weren't trying to deliver the news in a very biased style to placate a certain group of people. So that, I'm sure, had to help. I would agree. I would agree. But, you know, I just, I think it definitely needs to be underlined that Whatever we cover here, we're going to get to the bottom of it. If we can't, you know, we've we've had these ghost stories that we've talked about with no explanation. Sure. And, you know, if there's not an explanation, we're going to say, hey. Same with UFOs or Sasquatch right. or whatever. Guys, you may not believe in it, but somewhere along the line, you have to acknowledge the fact that there's a whole crap ton of people out there that says they have seen something. On our Facebook page, I posted... Um, a face, uh, and we'll just talk about Bigfoot just for a second. A Bigfoot, um, sighting document. Um, and it was just a bunch of Bigfoots all over the country where people have seen what they believe is Bigfoot. If you take 90% of those out, 95% of those out because it was a, you know, a bear whatever. or sure. something, whatever, there's still a, a an absolutely crap load that are unexplainable. Absolutely. Um, personal experience also included in that. You you will be, I, and I've even said, you know, Bigfoot's home is getting smaller and smaller every day. Yep. With trail cams and everybody's got a phone, a, a camera on their phone. Eventually, two things are going to happen. Eventually, we're going to have enough evidence to empirically say that doesn't exist. Or it does. Or it does. Without a you know, shadow of a doubt. You know, Loch Ness is kind of in that same boat. I mean, it, we, we, we can run sonar on the lake. We can do all of these things now. 
that technology is going to make it a definitive thing at some point, maybe in our lifetimes. One way or another. Yeah. Um, I agree. But I also know what I saw, and I can't wait. We're going to have a few guests on. We're going As soon as we get through Halloween, we're going to start talking about Bigfoot and aliens. Because there's some really cool stuff. I got a new app that just takes credible witness accounts of what they saw, and they just put it in a chart. And you can just read all daily how many different sites of UAPs that people are seeing. Oh, um, it's interesting. It's, it's it, it'll blow your mind. Now they even rate it. They have a computer algorithm that rates the sighting to give it a percentage score of hey, it's a, you know there's a thirty percent chance that that was an airplane or you know a sixty percent chance that it was. Not an airplane or or whatever or a blimp right. or weather so, balloon. Yeah, you name it. It's really cool because they take where it comes from. They coalite. They they put the flight maps over it as to what they can see, and that's where they come up their percentages. So it's pretty neat stuff. <laughs> Sounds like it. And I, we've got all that coming up, but yeah, we just want you to know that whatever we're covering, we are going to try to get to at least what we believe to be the truth. That we are. You know, that's what we do. And whether or not it's actually newsworthy. So what was the weirdest thing or the most bizarre or, um, just to wrap up voodoo here today, what do you think the the one thing that you learned that was like, whoa, the most? The fact that... When the slave owners from Haiti escaped before, during the revolution, came to America, they were so scared of it happening to America that they introduced the ideas of black magic, demon worship, all of that. Everything that we know, everything that made you think this is going to be a huge, scary, salacious topic to cover, uh, all of that was dreamt up. All of that was made up simply in an attempt to prevent that from happening here. Their fear of that happening in America led them to tell all of these lies that exist hundreds of years later. And mine is an exact reach from that. The fact that we bought it all, that all the people there didn't do any research, just bought it hook, line, and sinker and rolled with it. Just blows me away. <laughs> well, keep in mind, you said that all of those people didn't do research. Unless you were extremely rich, what were your methods of doing research in that day and time? Right, right. What percentage of the people in America could, could even read? read at that point? You're right. So when you can't read, your ability <laughs> to do research other than, yeah. oh, excuse me, what, what do you think about what they're saying? About <laughs> Limited, right? Right. So, Same yeah. thing. That's why snake oil salesmen had such a good life back then. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can understand when you get into something like religion, it's easy to see how things become so convoluted, so complicated, so many went, went off in so many different directions so easily. Because two or three hundred years ago, you're you're looking at two percent of the people in the world that could read or less. Yeah. So. They didn't have ability to do anything other than repeat what they had heard. So, yeah, we have so many advantages in today's world that we often forget. You know, the one thing that you say religion that I just, I can't help but think 
It, What's that? At that same time period, we had so many religions going separately, becoming branching off, if you will. Right. Yet, regardless of the religion and what's attached to it, if you just take all the words out and just look at it for what the stories are, right? They're all very similar. A lot of similarity. A lot Absolutely. Of, and we're not every, talking just Christianity and guys. When you get into Muslim and so many, yeah, so many. Actually, even this one, some of the original stories deity. have. Uh, it goes a lot deeper than that. There's a lot of similarities between the original Voodoo teachings going back five, six, seven hundred years to Christianity. Absolutely, right. Right. It's a ton just, of similarities. It's just beyond, you know. People groups who had, had no contact, as an example, and I'm going to use one that we're going to talk about on a plethora of different subjects, especially we start talking about ancient aliens, and we start talking about uh, some of the things in Egypt, and we start talking about um, Antarctica. So many different people groups and religious groups all talk about a great flood. Yes. You know, Absolutely. that have had no connection to each other. So, you know, that's <laughs> we'll get into that at a different time. Um, but just want to give you a heads up at what's coming. We've got a lot of good topics coming up. We're going to get through Halloween. We got some good more, some more good ghost stories. Hopefully yes, we next do. week. We still got to go do our spooky right. walks. We'll hopefully do that this weekend sometime. Maybe sounds great to me. And then. We're going to talk about all that, get through Halloween, and then we're going to delve into some really awesome topics. We hope. <laughs> we thought voodoo was going to be an amazing topic, but once you get into the research, it's already too late to like, oh, well, we yep. probably should add something else. <laughs> Guys. Very true. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for liking, sharing, wherever you're at. It helps boost our numbers. Uh, send us an email to where, Jerry? Newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. We will send you a handful of business cards you can give out to your friends, your family, throw them on a restaurant board, whatever you want to do. Or if you so desire, stick some pins in them. Absolutely. Good way to end that, Jerry. Man, that episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448-908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227-262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, Awesome ghost stories or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540 
709-1318. And now, back to the story. Octavia Hatcher, Pikeville, Kentucky. Octavia Hatcher was the wife of James Hatcher, and they resided in Pikeville, Kentucky. Together, they were one of the most wealthy couples in town, mainly derived from timber and coal in the late 1800s. In 1891, Octavia gave birth to little Jacob Hatcher, who unfortunately passed away after being alive for only a few days. Octavia fell into a deep depression, would eventually succumb to her heartbreak and fall into a coma and pass away. For various reasons, including an unusually bad heat wave, James decided not to have Octavia embalmed and quickly had her buried in the family plot. Not long after the funeral, however, family members who attended began to exhibit some of the symptoms similar to Octavia, depression and coma. A doctor was brought in and it was determined that Octavia had not died from a broken heart, but had a sleeping sickness spread through the bite of a fly, and her body had spread it to all of those touching and kissing her before burial. It was treatable and survivable, but often the patients would seem nearly dead before recovery. When James heard the news, he ran to her grave and dug up the coffin frantically. There was dirt inside the coffin and scratches on the inside. The nails had been partially lifted out of the wood. Octavia's own fingernails were ripped off from the force of her attempting to escape her fate. She had been buried alive. Today, there is a statue erected of Octavia and baby James in Pikeville where she said to roam the town. In terror. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.